Hey, it's Owen. If you're hearing this message, you're subscribed to the old feed of A Brief Chat. To subscribe to the new feed, you have a few options. If you listen via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just search for A Brief Chat and pick the one as just A Brief Chat and the web address. In other words, not the one with Jason's name in the logo. If you use your own podcast app, you can probably search for the show there, too, and do the same thing. Or visit abriefchat.com and click on How to Listen. You'll find the RSS feed right there, and if you click on it, your phone or computer should open whichever app you use to listen to podcasts and ask you to subscribe. This feed will stop updating next week, so if you want to stay subscribed, please make the change. And thanks! Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Thursday, October 24th, 2019. This is part four of a five-part series on my personal history with religion. This is a linear story, so be sure you've listened to the previous installments before you listen to this one. As I mentioned in the previous episode, I first encountered Buddhism in 1991 when I moved to Japan for the first time as an exchange student. Other than Catholics and Protestants, I had never encountered any other religion though of course I knew they existed. My Methodist church had once held a Seder of some sort in observance of Passover, though whether any Jewish religious figures were present, I don't recall. I mostly associate that Seder with horseradish. I'm sure I could Google horseradish and Seder to see if that makes sense, but I think I'll just let the mystery be. Anyway, in Japan, I was surrounded for the first time by people who neither looked like me nor believed what I had been raised to believe. Buddhism and Shinto were the order of the day, maintaining a fairly symbiotic relationship throughout the country for all but the most devout believers. When I traveled, or took part in local ceremonies with my host family, we'd often end up at either a Shinto or Buddhist religious site. At one of them, you'd clap your hands twice and bow, at the other you just bowed. Sometimes you rinsed your hands with a ladle full of cold water, and sometimes you didn't. Sometimes you burned incense, and sometimes you didn't. I was often confused about which rituals went with which place, so I just followed the lead of whoever I was with. And even though I was an atheist, I thought it was the respectful thing to do to take part in these ceremonies. I also remember being struck by the dinnertime ritual in my host family's home. My host dad's mom lived with us in a separate, more traditional part of the house. She taught Japanese dancing there. Each night, when dinner was ready, one of us kids would bring a portion of each of the foods on a tray into her room and place it before a small shrine, atop which was a photo of her husband, who had died some years earlier. I thought this was really lovely. I come from a family that has never handled death well, and I liked the respect shown to this dead relative, who was, in many ways, still very present in the life of the family. We also traveled on one day of the year to a cemetery where his ashes were interred. We cleaned up the site around his marker, and we left an offering of oranges. We also ate a small and very happy lunch ourselves. It was just totally unlike any of the very few cemetery experiences I'd had in the States. When I moved back home, I stuck with my atheism and didn't really think about Buddhism anymore. Then, Jen and I ended up moving to Japan in 1996. 
On our first Christmas, Jen bought me a book about Buddhism. I think it was about the Lotus Sutra, one of the central texts of several different schools of Buddhism. I looked through it, but a lot of it was way over my head. It was aimed more at an academic reader than a lay practitioner of Buddhism. I found it interesting, though, and I decided I'd read more sometime. We returned from Japan in 1998, moving around a few times before ending up back in Rochester, New York in 2000. Now, Rochester is home to one of the oldest Zen centers in the United States. The Rochester Zen Center was founded in 1966 by Philip Kaplow, author of The Three Pillars of Zen, and one of the people most responsible for bringing Zen Buddhism to the English-speaking residents of the United States. I was very intrigued, and I decided to attend a beginner's class on Zazen, which is the practice of seated meditation. I had had a very brief experience when we lived in Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Zen Center, but this was my first more formal introduction to Buddhism. I instantly connected with this quiet, contemplative practice. My depression was still undiagnosed, and I was sad and angry quite a lot of the time, and Buddhism seemed to offer a way to deal with my brain as it was, not as some ideal that I wished it could be. The ceremonial aspects of Zen reminded me of my Catholic beginnings, and the Dharma talks, which are kind of the Zen version of a sermon, always seemed directed right at me. I started meditating at night at home in the spare room of our little apartment. I had to keep a kitchen knife in there with me because the door was missing the interior knob and it could only be opened with help from the knife. So I would do prostrations, I would burn incense, and then sit quietly for maybe 20 minutes or so. And I have no idea how I timed it back then in the pre-smartphone era. I think I must have used a kitchen timer. At some point during my Rochester Zen Center experience, I attended a weekend session, which is a period of intensive meditation. During the session, you get up in the wee hours and you meditate all day and into the evening, stopping only to eat and do chores, all of which you do in silence. I was at the Zen Center from Friday afternoon until either Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, and when that session was over, I stopped meditating completely for years. It's kind of hard for me to explain why, especially from this great remove, but I'll give it a shot. I mean, I think the fundamental issue might have been that my rejection of all religion was at war with this newfound devotion to Buddhist practice. Zen Buddhism, as it's usually practiced these days, doesn't come with a god or any supernatural elements, but it still has priests and nuns and temples and altars and statues and rituals and candles and incense and all the trappings of any other religion. And even though I tried referring to it as a philosophy to get around the whole religion issue, I don't think I was ready yet to return to the fold, no matter how different my new sangha was from my old congregation or parish. Fast forward 18 or so years, and I'm recording this episode six feet from an altar atop which sits a large statue of the Buddha. I have a lotus tattooed on my arm. I'm in between two bookshelves filled with Buddhist books. And the story of how I got here is part five of this series. I'd love to hear your own stories of religious or atheist experience. Drop me a line at jason at abriefchat.com and be sure to let me know if it's okay to include your story on the show. Head over to abriefchat.com to become a member too. I love you. A better world is possible. Please.